0: The Sacramento Kings have now hit the halfway point of this 2022-2023 season, and so I figured it's time to do a season review of the first half of the season. In this video, I'm going to be rating both the players and the team overall on a scale of 1 to 10. The first rating I will give is to The Beam. The Beam gets a rating. Of 100 out of 10 because the beam has been the key to success this season now moving on to the actual ratings and so I figure the best place to start is giving the overall team a rating and I'm going to give the Kings a 9 out of 10 for the start to this season because coming into this season it was a make or break season for this core even though it's been such a short period of time that this core has been together. But, you know, looking at the way that the contracts are, Sabonis having two years left coming into this season, the Kings had to show that this core could work together after the massive Tyrese Halliburton-DeMontis-Sabonis trade. And the Kings have done exactly that. They've showed that this core can work, building an elite offense The defense obviously still has improvements that need to be made, but the Kings have been in the top six of the Western Conference for a majority of this season, which is surpassing almost everyone's expectations. I thought coming into this season that the Kings should be a playoff team, but I thought they would do that through the play-in, and they still might, but... Being in that top six for over 50% of the season so far is definitely surpassing pretty much everyone's expectations. And a huge amount of credit has to go to GM Monty McNair for the offseason moves that he made, bringing in Kevin Herter for a very low cost, bringing in Malik Monk on a very team friendly deal, and then drafting Keegan Murray and all three of those guys provide The shooting that is so important to making this team an elite offense. And then the other move was bringing in Mike Brown as a coach, and Mike Brown has done an outstanding job of putting this team together, and it's nice to see that the Kings finally have a competent head coach for the first time since Dave Yeager, and just nice to know that we have a competent front office as well. The only thing that could have Made it a 10 out of 10 start to the season for the Kings is not losing the three games that they lost at home to teams under 500, who all three of them were on the second half of back to backs. And that was the Wizards, the Lakers, and I believe the Hornets. If they'd maybe won two out of those three games, then I would give this a 10 out of 10 season so far. But losing those games shows that the Kings are still. Not an elite team, and defensively, are not a great team, and that's why they can lose games on pretty much any given night. Now moving on to the players, when rating the players, I'm taking into account their performance, uh, and also factoring in the expectations uh, coming into the season, and that could be just my personal expectations, or also their you know contract or what was given up for them in a trade. And because the overall team got a 9 out of 10, that means a lot of the players are going to get pretty high grades for the first half of the season. I figure the best place to start is right at the top with De'Aaron Fox, who I'm going to give a 9 out of 10, just like the overall team grade. And the reason I'm giving him a 9 out of 10 is because he's shown that what he was doing before was not empty stats, not that I thought they were, but he has overcome that criticism, and he's playing his best basketball in the highest of pressure moments, in the clutch, being one of the best clutch players in the NBA, playing so well in fourth quarters and driving this team to wins. It's something that he had done before, playing well in fourth quarters, but it wasn't as meaningful as it is now, because of the team around him, and The team around him allows him to not have to do so much through three quarters and really perform in that fourth quarter. He's putting up all star numbers and may make the all star team. And the only thing that could have made him a 10 out of 10 is being more consistent throughout the other portions of a game, like a true superstar. He also hasn't missed very many games, which is always a worry. Uh, He was injured. For part of this season which definitely hampered his averages but overall averaging 24 points and six assists is an extremely impressive season for De'Aaron fox moving on to kevin herter i am also giving him a nine out of ten my expectations for him coming into the season was that he would just be a solid role player There was some discussion amongst kings fans before the season about whether he would start or not i thought it was pretty obvious that he would start and he is but now there's no question that he's the starter on this team at the shooting guard spot he is setting a career high in points at almost 16 per game and is shooting about 42 percent from the three-point line and what's been so impressive to me is how he's not just a three-point shooter on the offensive end he started off the season on fire, but then hit a slump, which is normal, but what didn't fall off during that three-point shooting slump was his two-point percentages. He kept getting into the mid-range and attacking the basket, and his two-point percentages did not drop off at all, and then he started shooting better from three again, and again, his two-point percentages never changed throughout whole roller coaster of his three point percentages. He really is more than just a three point shooter and that's what's impressed me the most. On the offensive side of the ball he's been a 10 out of 10 and so the reason he's a 9 out of 10 is the defensive side. He does struggle to stay in front of quicker players, of guards, although his length definitely helps the team just being a longer player and a bigger shooting guard definitely helps the defense but he struggles in one-on-one play like a lot of this team does honestly and that's why he is a nine out of ten now we move to the small forward spot harrison barnes i'm giving him an eight out of ten he started this season off terribly absolutely terribly he looked so slow he was terrible defensively he could not hit a 3 he just did not look like himself at all but he got out of that slump after a few weeks and really as of late has been playing extremely extremely well he's averaging about 14 and a half points per game but i think that the most important thing for him is is he is always taking on the other team's best wing player on the defensive end. And I think he's done a pretty good job of defending guys like LeBron James as much as he possibly can. And the one other thing that I really love about Harrison Barnes that he always does is when the rest of the team is taking threes, missing threes, and will not attack the paint, he gets the ball, he attacks the paint, and he gets to the free throw line and calms the rest of the team down like a true veteran, which is what he is, as the oldest um, player who gets minutes on this team. He's not higher than an 8 out of 10 because of his slow start to the season, but he has been playing extremely well as of late, so that's the reason why he gets a pretty high rating there at an 8 out of 10. Moving on to the rookie, Keegan Murray. I'm going to give him a 7 out of 10. Coming into this season, he was seen as one of the most NBA-ready rookies, and he has shown that. He's averaging 12 points per game and almost 41% from three on six attempts per game, which is some of the best three-point shooting numbers for a rookie of all time. And he fits perfectly on this team in that way. And offensively, that's pretty much all he needs to do. Because he is getting passes from Fox and Sabonis. And letting other guys do the offensive work. And he just can sit on the outside and shoot threes. The places where he lacks is off the dribble offensively. uh, I think he hasn't shown much ability off the dribble. And he also struggles finishing around the rim. Which I think is the main thing that he can improve on. Because whether he'll ever develop a true off-the-dribble game, I don't know, and that's going to determine whether he can be a star or whether he'll just be an extremely good kind of 3 and D role player, but finishing around the rim is definitely something he can and almost certainly will improve on. I think it's important because when you are such an elite three-point shooter, you're going to get a lot of opportunities to pump fake and drive, and he has shown willingness to do that, but then he just struggles with the finish. On the defensive end, he has shown a lot of improvements as the season's gone on. He struggled a lot early on with staying in front of guards and also just getting lost in defensive rotations, but he has become a lot better at that. I think we've seen lately that he is improving in staying front of smaller guards, and if he can truly guard one through four, that would be That would make him an elite 3 and D player. But where he needs to improve is rebounding. He's not a good rebounder. Mike Brown has said this. And for playing the power forward position, he just needs to get better at rebounding on the defensive end. He has shown the ability to be somewhat of a rim protector. He's long and tall. He can block shots, and that's a good thing. But he's not some elite rim protector which is something that this team lacks. But it is a positive that he can block some shots and actually leads the team in in blocks per game. And the last player in the starting lineup, DeMontis Sabonis, gets the highest rating possible. The only player that will get a 10 out of 10 in this video because he has surpassed all my expectations, been the clear best player on this team for the entire season. I mean, the guy broke his thumb and got better how is that possible he's averaging 19 a game he definitely could average more maybe that's the one thing i could say is he's a little too passive because when he goes inside he's scoring most of the time and could definitely score more points per game to that but he's averaging 12 and half rebounds and almost 7 assists per game he is what makes this offense flow throughout the game He dominates the first three quarters for this team. And then is extremely important in allowing Fox to dominate the fourth quarter by setting screens and just being a threat inside that allows Fox to get open. On the defensive side of the ball, he's been better than I thought he would be. He has shown athleticism and lateral quickness, being able to stay in front of guards on switches. And He's always good in one-on-ones against bigger players in the post, and has shown the ability to alter shots. He's not some elite rim protector, but he's a lot better than I thought he would be. I knew he was a borderline all-star player. That was my expectation, but he is an all-star lock and has surpassed every single one of my expectations. And in my opinion, is the biggest reason that the Kings are where they are in the standings. He just never stops. He's tireless effort, plays the most minutes per game on this team because he needs to because we don't have a good backup center, and because the team falls apart most of the time when he's not on the court. And that is why it's so important. He could have opted to have surgery on his thumb, but he said, no, I am playing through this. And like I said, has somehow gotten better with a broken thumb. Now we move to the bench. I'll start with the sixth man off the bench, Malik Monk. I'm going to give Malik Monk an 8 out of 10. He's averaging 14 points per game, 4 assists per game, and is pretty much our only offense off the bench. He is extremely energetic, brings all the energy off the bench, which is what you want in a sixth man. And really is the perfect type of six man that can score, but also can play make a little bit. He's not a true, you know, playmaker. He's not a point guard, but he can definitely pass and he's not a liability by any means defensively. He is quick and strong and is giving effort defensively. And the one thing that brings his rating down is his shot selection at times. He is an elite finisher in this league, but he doesn't use it enough. He takes ill-advised three-point shots, which is just who he is, to be honest. But if he looked to attack the rim more, I think good things would happen because he is a good passer, like I said, going to the rim and can finish in pretty crazy ways. When you look at the percentages in finishing, he does have one of the highest finishing percentages in the entire league. The next guy off the bench is Davion Mitchell coming into his second year. I'm going to give him a five and a half out of 10. And maybe that's just me having too high expectations for him. But offensively, he really doesn't do much. At the end of last season, he was scoring something like 17 a game while averaging almost 10 assists per game in like the last 10 games. And I was really hoping he would improve his three-point shot and bring that playmaking in to this season. And he really hasn't. He's only averaging six points per game and only averaging 2.3 assists per game. And his three-point percentage is right around 31.5%. He has not made the leap that I was hoping he would make offensively and that's why his rating is so low for me. But the obvious positive with him is his defense. He really is just an amazing defender. And and that's why it kind of hurts me to give him a a 5.5. Like, I don't know, maybe I should up it, because he really is such an amazing defender on a team that sucks so badly defensively. You know what? I'm I'm giving him a a 6.5, actually. I'm changing it, because the Kings need defensive players and that's exactly what he's giving them someone that they can put in the game at any time to stop the bleeding and guard the other team's best guard or at times even wing player he's only like six foot or six one but he's so strong and can bother even players as tall as like six eight six nine He's such a menace defensively, can stay in front of almost anyone, and I think the thing that he needed to improve on from last season was screen navigation and off-ball defense. And he has, he's improved on both of those things. I almost never see him get caught out off-ball like I did last season, and his screen navigation has gotten a lot better. So a a 6.5, I have upped it, officially upped it, to a a 6.5 out of 10 for Davion Mitchell. Now, I will move on to the biggest surprise for me of this season, which is Trey Lyles. I'm giving him a 9 out of 10. He came over in that Marvin Bagley trade for Dante DiVincenzo. He was a part of that trade, and when I saw that, I mean, everyone was looking at Dante DiVincenzo, right? No one cared about Josh Jackson or Trey Lyles coming over and we were right not to care about Josh Jackson, but extremely wrong to not care about Trey Lyles. You could say that we arguably traded for a better player than Marvin Bagley, definitely a better fit than Marvin Bagley at the power forward position. Trey Lyles is exactly the type of rebounder that we want Keegan Murray to be. He is one of our best maybe our second best rebounder behind sabonis he gets rebounds on the offensive glass he gets them on the defensive glass and is not a liability defensively and he is giving 100 effort on every single play he has truly established himself as a rotational piece on this team which is not something i thought he would do and he's only making like 2 million Dollars this season. That's nothing. He's 36% from the three-point line, and that's kind of the reason that he didn't get a 10 out of 10, is because I think that he's only a 36% shooter, because at times his shot selection is not great. I feel like at times he feels like the best player on the court, the best offensive option, and he's firing away, kind of like Malik Monk. And so that's why he doesn't get the 10 out of 10. But he can catch fire from three. But he also can drive to the rim. And when he is driving to the rim, he's extremely effective. He draws a lot of fouls and can finish around the rim. And he has just been a complete surprise to me. I, he was solid last season but you know after he came over in the trade. But I, I didn't think that that was going to last. I thought that was kind of... Uh, not not real because you know sometimes at the end of seasons guys will play well maybe against teams that aren't trying as hard and that was not the case at all for him now moving on to a guy that I thought could be the surprise of the season but hasn't been is Terrence Davis I'm gonna give him a three out of ten I thought that Terrence Davis could be a guy that off the bench provides offense. And he really hasn't been, I thought he would improve and cause he's still young and thought he could be a sneaky guy that is a really good rotation player on this team. And he just hasn't been, he's had his opportunities and you know, had them one big game on national television against the Nets has had some other good games and can catch fire offensively, no doubt about it. But there's one point early in the season. Where for a stretch of maybe two or three games, he was extremely good defensively and then was coming up and taking all of the right shots, was not forcing anything, was not trying to create too much off the dribble, taking bad shots. He wasn't taking bad shots and he was just taking the open threes. And that's exactly what I wanted him to do become a three and D player. I think that's the perfect role for him because he does have the athletic tools to be a good defender. But then he went back to his poor shot selection, trying to do too much offensively. And then he hasn't really fit this team defensively. And that might not necessarily be his fault because he's forced to play the small forward position, which he's not big enough for. And he can definitely have mental lapses. Defensively. He's only shooting 34.5% from three. And again, that's just due to shot selection, I think. I feel like there is a place for him. He's had his opportunities. He can be a rotational piece on this roster, but he just needs to stop trying to do too much offensively and just be that true three and D player, in my opinion. The next player is Chemezi Metu. I'm going to give him a seven out of ten. Because coming into this season, I did not think he should get any minutes. I just didn't think he was good enough. And he's proven me wrong. And he's found a perfect role for himself. I feel like he's done exactly what Terrence Davis hasn't done. And that's accept a role and try to be the best he possibly can be in that role. And that role is the role of backup center. Which has been left vacant and he took advantage I didn't see him as a center at all coming into this season but you know he's obviously undersized but he's made the most of the opportunity being a solid rebounder and a solid defender and then just getting to the dunker spot and just catching lobs catching passes dunking and barely ever taking three point shots which is the major thing with him. Before, he forced up so many three-point shots, and he's just not a good enough shooter for that. He can take the wide-open ones, latent shot clocks, and definitely make them, but that should not be the main thing that he's doing. And so he's adapted, stopped taking as many three-point shots, and just dunk the ball. He has been in and out of the rotation at times, but I think he's clearly been the best backup center on this team. And then for fellow Nigerian national team player KZ Paula, I am also giving a 7 out of 10. I'm giving him a 7 out of 10 because the expectation for him, I thought he could be a rotational player, but also wasn't quite sure what he would be, and like maybe he wouldn't be, but he has been a rotational player. And a player that I am a big, big fan of And I think the only reason he's not, and I think the only reason I'm not giving him a higher rating than a seven out of 10 is because he just hasn't had the opportunity to be in their rotation night in and night out. He started the first maybe three games of the season, but then kind of fell out of the rotation and has just been really in and out of the rotation all season. But I think he gives this team exactly what they need whenever he plays. He knows his role. He knows his role is to defend the best player on the other team, the best guard or wing player, because he is a long, versatile defender, which is a wing defender, which is not something that this team has a lot of. And then he is not a negative offensively. I don't think he knows his role is not to be a big offensive player. He passes the ball, keeps it moving, doesn't try to do too much, and when he is wide open for three, he will take them. And he's shooting 39% from three on this season. Obviously not a big volume, but good en- a, a good enough volume to where that seems sustainable, mostly with his shot selection. And I think he just deserves more minutes and consistent uh, a consistent rotation spot over Terrence Davis. And there have also been times when he has shown that he can dribble. He can, he can play off the dribble, which is something that I did not know at all. He doesn't try to do it a lot, and that's a good thing. But he has shown that he can do that. And then, sadly, I have to talk about the most disappointing player of the season, who I will give a 1 out of 10 to, and that is Rashawn Holmes. And it hurts me to do that because I love Rashawn, but he just has not been good. Coming into the season, I think I said in my season preview podcast that the Kings might have the best backup center in the league. Turns out I couldn't be further from the truth. He has completely fallen out of the rotation. He has been an extreme liability defensively whenever he is on the court. And offensively, he's not getting, he's not playing well offensively at all. He's never getting to his push shots. He's had, like, three all season. Usually he would have three a game. And he's not getting opportunities to dunk. And it's not like those opportunities aren't there if he were playing better, because Chemezi Metu has proven those opportunities are there to get to the dunker spot or catch lobs. And Rashawn just is not doing that off the bench. He just has not found his place on this team at all, and I would be shocked if he were still on this team after the trade deadline. Now the last three players that I'm going to give ratings to I'll go through pretty quickly. Alex Lang gets a four. He's been, I guess, fine when he's played, but really has not been given any opportunity to play, which is kind of weird because we do need a bigger center who can block shots and rebound, but... I guess Mike Brown just doesn't think he's good enough. So it's hard to give him any rating, but I'll give him a four just because I didn't expect him to really be in the rotation, but he's been, I don't know, slightly below expectations. Mias similar. I'll give him a four. He's a two-way player, obviously his second year. But in the minutes that we have seen, he had one really good offensive game, but a couple other bad games. Maybe... Slightly below expectations, thought he could have gotten some minutes this season, which he really hasn't, so not much else to say there. And then the last guy that I'll give a rating to is Matthew Delvidova. I'll give him a nine. Why not? He came in to be the third string point guard, never play. He's played some meaningful minutes when Fox went down, when Mitchell was out uh, a game or two, and has pretty much done exactly what he's needed to do. He's knocked down some actually big shots, surprisingly. And then he's just been a solid playmaker who plays well defensively. Just solid. Solid is the way to describe him. Doing exactly what we needed him to do in the few times we've needed him to fill in. So he gets a nine. Now the other the other three players uh, do not get ratings because we just didn't see enough. Chimo has been waived. Didn't expect him to get any minutes. He gets a 10 for scoring two points in eight minutes, so good for him. He made his money, uh, and now he'll probably go play in Europe or something. Uh, And then Keon Ellis, the other two-way player, scored his first uh, NBA points with a three-pointer against the Rockets, so that was cool, but hasn't had time on the court. And then P.J. Dozier was just recently signed to a 10-day, so he does not get a rating either. That is it for the Sacramento Kings team ratings at the half-point way of this season. Let me know what you think of the ratings in the comments of the YouTube video, or if you're listening to the audio version of the podcast, you can tweet at me at underscore the royal report. Overall, a great first half of the season for the Kings, and hopefully they can maintain the in the top six of the Western Conference and finally end the playoff drought. Light the beam, baby. Peace.